Welcome to the Silver and Mature Womanpreneur Podcast, a podcast for and by women over 50, providing faith-building strategies for female entrepreneurs looking to achieve higher levels of productivity, capacity, and growth, where we strive to focus on God's agenda while building our businesses to serve our community with excellence. Welcome to the podcast. One thing you said, it's for women over 50. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> I'm teasing. Yeah, I did retire. Well, I did. You did say I retired. Uh-oh. Yes. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm a lot over 50. <laughs> well, I am too. You know, I am too. Like, I'm 62 years old. So, yes, I am a lot over 50. And so I uh, have been interviewing women that's, also a lot over 50. So so we all fit in that category. So yes, yes. So yeah. So so Kathy, let's I want to ask you a little, you know, a few questions of course about um you know, your business and the type of services that you provide. I know that I shared a little bit uh just a, you know, a moment ago. However, can you just, you know, kind of expand a little bit on the services that you provide to your clients? Well, what I provide is, you know, uh, sometimes people are sitting in the workplace and they are wondering, you know, about uh, they're, they're, they're watching people, what the company says, they're, that's not consistent, and sometimes they know that they can do it better. What I offer people um, you know, uh, I have different levels. So the people who want to start up, uh, to start up their business, the Diversity Trainers Academy is for that. And we teach them how to set yourself up, what you're going to need to get into business, um, what it's going to take for you to be um, a diversity, equity, and inclusion trainer. And it's for people who have some level of professionalism, people who are attorneys, people who are HR professionals, people who are in the um, service of affirmative action, people who are um, doing different var- in different various fields as it relates to diversity, equity, and inclusion, because you need to have some a little background on diversity, equity, and inclusion to get into that. And so, what I do is the Diversity Trainers Academy has everything that you need and everything that you need to know to get started, to advance your business, how to get those contracts, how to get government contracts. I provide uh, uh, checklists, uh, templates, forms and materials, contracts, actual contracts. In fact, one of the steps that I did this week with my group um, was to work with them on an actual offer, one of my clients that I worked for in 2000, from 2001 to 2004, um, sent me a request for proposal, which I won. Um, I, I, I'm glad I sent out that email saying I'm out of retirement. Yes. But, yes. Um, but, and, and it was a, a scope of work, and it's called different things by different companies, a request for a proposal. And one of the things that I did with them is I asked them, okay, here's a real live opportunity. What do you do with this opportunity? What are the questions that you would ask when you get this opportunity? Would you decide to bid or not to bid? Um, and so I went through that 
form with them. I actually sent them the form and a questionnaire and um, asked them, what other things would you want to know about the audience? Um, because they listed some demographic information, but there's other information that you wanted to know. So we took that and we went through it. Now the next step that I'm going to do with them, since it was a real live offer, since I submitted a proposal, and since I won the contract, we're going to go over that. But I also have a train, you know, I have agreements, contracts. I have actual uh, other government requests for proposals, requests for proposals from corporations. We're going to go through some of those things. We're going to look at what you need to know from the client, uh, what are their objectives, and who, what, what are the challenges they're facing, what's keeping them up at night. And then a, we do a you know, pre-programmed survey of the participants. What do you need to do to do an organization-wide culture change initiative? And I also have templates like slide presentations, handout masters, um, things like that. I have speaker agreements for co-trainers and contract trainers because I hire uh, speakers and trainers who are in the DEI business. I give them seating maps, workshop checklists, um, multi-purpose participant evaluations, everything that they need to do, one, to establish the business, to get started, how to avoid the pitfalls and the time wasters that many new DEI businesses make, how to identify those opportunities, how to decide whether to bid or not to bid on a perceived opportunity. Because there are a lot of them we need to walk away from. We don't need to be bidding on them because a lot of times we're working in an office by ourselves and we've got virtual staff, and sometimes we've got staff and we don't need to be tied up doing those things. They also need to know how to sell their services to government agencies, to corporations and other business. They need to know how to discern what the issues are in the organization so that they can provide the best solution. They need to know how to design those solutions. Um, they need to set the organization up for continuing success. Then they need to know how to, trans how to facilitate training that is transformation. They need to be able to know how to handle contentious, contentious dialogue. When, you know, how do you deal with people when they're angry and things like that? How to write proposals, how to present your proposal or your solution, how to get testimonials that enhance your ability to sell your services, and how to have your clients hire you again and again. I built my business on 87 to 90% repeat and referral business. So, and then how do you have your clients refer you to others? That's what the Diversity Trainers Academy is all about. And I teach all of those things, not from something I learned in academia, because I don't have a college degree. Um, I, that, this is from 27-plus uh, years of experience, so almost 30 years. That tells you I'm old. I'm 70. <laughs> so, uh, <but> <laughs> I don't know everything about all of these things, but I know the things that I know and the things that I know have worked for me and I have been successful in this business. The last, so the, I told you I uh, signed two contracts yesterday. One was from somebody that I worked for in 2011, but I have had calls back from people that I worked for 20 years ago. 
And so, um, you know, so I built my business on how do you do this business in such a way that the client is getting results, the people are uh, performing better, the morale is better. Um, how do you remove the artificial barriers that keep people from getting promoted? You know, the company says one thing on their diversity statement, but sometimes people's lived experiences in those organizations are not consistent with what they're putting out there for the pe- for people to see. They need a diversity statement. They need to say we're for diversity, we're for inclusion, we're for equity, but sometimes what's going on in the workplace is not that. And how do you how do you help them to get to a place that what they're saying is congruent with what's happening inside that organization? Where people are not hanging their head and thinking, Oh my God, I gotta go to that place again today. I gotta have somebody, you know, I have to experience these microaggressions and people uh, saying things that I hear and they don't know that I hear and sometimes they know I hear and they want me to hear and I can't get a promotion even though I've got, uh, you know, a bachelor's degree or a master's degree and 10 years of experience, but it got to the little, you know, woman who um, they uh, um, go to the beauty shop with or the guy they play golf with um, and how, you know, how do I get some equitable treatment here? And that's what's going on. Some people are quite happy with the way things are because it's working for them. But for other people, it's not working, and they don't want to go to work every day. And what are you, how are you going to produce, what, what are you going to get out of that person who doesn't want to be there, who um, is being treated unfairly, who has to deal with all the issues that they have to deal with? How do you make that workplace uh, more welcoming, more equitable, more inclusive, so that everybody feels like they have a part in it. And how do you, you know, people are not being acknowledged for their contributions. And what happens when people are not being acknowledged for their contributions? They stop contributing. They're not going to give you their best and their all because of the way that you're treating them. And so I teach DEI professionals how to go in and provide those solutions that make a difference. How do you transform people's lives in the workplace and, and by doing so transform the workplace into one that is uh, doing what they profess to do? I know I've gone on and on and on, so I'm going to stop no. talking and we talk. Well, no, I, that so I'm telling you. <laughs> well, well, you know what, and which which leads to my next question, which is, you know, what made you come out of retirement to do this? And so, I mean, I'm sure that one of those, one of the answers would be, like, in the current climate, I'm sure it's it's you're you're in much demand right now with the current climate. Yeah, I, but not only yeah. that, your your passion. So so tell me about that. What made you come out of retirement? Well, you know, when I, when I retired, I retired because of cancer in 2016, and then my husband passed in 2019, and I mm. was grieving for quite a while. I used to call my husband husband extraordinaire. And I missed him so much. So what I did was I was sitting on the couch watching watching shows. Some of them we watched together. And when I saw the George Floyd murder and the world witnessed it, 
I um, actually, I didn't come out right away. I just got angry. I just got really, really angry. And I remember I was talking. I really came out of retirement because of my daughter. I was talking to a friend that I had been friends with for a lot of years, a less melanated friend. And uh, she was asking me questions. And I was remember, I was just so angry. I said, listen, it is not my job to educate white people. And my daughter heard that. And um, she didn't say anything mm-hmm. right away. And she said, mm-hmm. Mom, you know, I heard you. Maybe maybe uh, you should educate white people. Maybe that's what they need. Um, and that's what you do. <laughs> and I said, okay. Mm-hmm. And then I kept on watching my <laughs> show, you know. <laughs> and then, so she was, I guess she was thinking she's doing nothing with her life, you know. <laughs> <laughs> and so she came back. She said, you know, and my, my daughter is a business coach, and she helps people to, you know, advance their businesses, um, their coaching businesses. And she said, you know, Mom, she said, um, she went and tweeted, would you pay for a course in how to be an intentional ally? And over 100 people sent her their email addresses. And she said, look at this, Mom. She said, these people are interested in a course in how to be an intentional ally. Wow. All you have to do is um, tell them that you have this course. You don't even have to create it until they pay you. Mm -hmm. And then she created a sales page for me. (laughs) She said, just send this this to these people on on this list. And I sent it to them, and they enrolled. And I created the course. It was just so amazing to me. You know, it was like this is this can't be this easy. And yeah. the first the first course, the first cohort, went so well. She said, "Now all you have to do is rinse and repeat." Well, of course, I saw a lot of things that I wanted to change in there. Um, for the next course. So I did the second cohort that ended in August this year. But while I was doing that, she said, you know, all of this knowledge that you have, all of these things that you have done, you should teach other people how to do it. You should call it the Diversity Trainers Academy. So that didn't come out of my brain. That came out of hers. (laughs) You should call it the Diversity Trainers Academy. And again, you you can create it when people pay you. <laughs> and so I, as I started to put it together, I started talking about it on Clubhouse. And then I had this one guy that stalked me on Clubhouse, and he said, I want to work with you. And I said, well, I'm putting the academy together because I realized I really need to put it together and have some kind of structure and that kind of thing. He said, no, I want to work with you now. So I signed him on. I signed wow. on another woman um, who didn't want to wait for the academy to open. And so, so I'm launching the academy next month in January. And, um, wow. you know, it's, uh, I've, I've been putting all the pieces together and all of the content mm-hmm. together. I have all the knowledge and all this information. Uh, you know, I, I had... Um, you know, two GSA schedules with the federal government, and I did a lot. My business was my business was primarily with the federal government, with corporations, and with universities. 
And it just, it wasn't that that was the business that I sought out, but when I went into one of those industries, I started getting uh, referrals from the results. The participants were telling other people, the clients were telling other people. And when I did the culture change initiative for the USDA, they um, saved uh, $880,000 in the first six months of the process. And so, wow. and they reduced the claims, they reduced their claims, grievances, and lawsuits. And Washington wanted to know what I was doing. So they sent five people down from Washington to sit in on my training. And from that, I got to train the managers and supervisors in the D.C. area for USDA. And then I started wow. training the people in the different agencies and then the claims hit the tower. <laughs> so I had to take, you know, and nobody was paying for it. I didn't know. It took me a year and a half to realize that business wasn't coming back anytime soon. Uh, but it did come back eventually. But it took me a year and a half to realize that. But I thought, you know, these people are not, they said all the money got sucked into Homeland Security. Their budgets have been, they have no training budgets. They have no HR budgets. Um, to do this, and so I had to do something. So the corporate wasn't really spending money that I knew of on diversity training. I knew it was out there, but corporations weren't really, I didn't know of corporations that were spending that money. And so I broke it down to all the components of DEI. You know, first thing is leadership. The second thing is communication. The third thing is conflict resolution and issues, you know, how to manage uh, how conflict and ang- a resolution and anger management and um, sexual harassment prevention. And um, all I broke it down into components. And I sold the, uh, the, my communication that works course took off like a rocket. And it was a diversity course, but we went at it from the standpoint of, relationships, you know, to have better relationships, you need to be able to communicate. And in order to communicate, you got to get past these barriers. And one of the barriers is stereotypes. And so I was still presenting, uh, delivering the information that I wanted to deliver. Leadership, you know, one component of leadership is, you know, valuing all people and making sure that you're fair and equitable. And so I took those components into corporations. And then some of those people in those corporations I started getting referrals for universities. And um, one woman asked me to do a diversity train the trainer for a university. And I did that. And then a bank asked me to do a diversity train. Could you come and teach our trainers how to do that? And out of that was born the diversity train the trainer program which I did, then I started doing it publicly. So all of this stuff was an evolution, but it was based on getting results from the, for the client. And um, so, you know, I, don't, I didn't have any social media. I did do a monthly newsletter like eight or nine times out of the month. I wanted it to be monthly, but eight or nine times out of the month, I would put out a monthly newsletter but other than that, I was working, and it's really part of the work. I wasn't just sending trainers out. I was part of the training team, and I really enjoyed it. 
And so I probably if I had just had people going out to train for me, well, maybe the results would not have been there the same. But I had I, the people who taught me how to do this work went to work for me. They became wow. independent contracts for me. And so wow. some of them are with me 27 years later. Um, Dr. Oh Al Alcazar, who teaches conflict resolution at Columbia University in New Orleans and New York, is going to be uh, facilitating a workshop with me, a two-day workshop with me next month, early next month. And so um, most of the people who started working with me, who taught me how to do what I do, now they became um, not employees, but they became my team. And so I have uh, like seven people on the team that I pull the subject matter experts for whatever we're doing for that. And we all do Mm -hmm. all the work, but some people are um, more adept at certain areas than other people. So once I decide these are the issues that this organization needs, then who are the best people to do that? And so um, I've got the spurt. That's the contract that I have. It's a three-day, but we're doing it on a Tuesday with the superintendents and supervisors and the second department heads. And then on Thursday and Friday, we're doing the workshop with the regular with the rest of the staff. And then the other contract that I got was I've done a lot of this executive coaching for. Um, uh, uh, for one of the leaders in an organization, and then we're going to follow that up with a team building. So it's a, the coaching program for 13 weeks and then the team building with the staff. And so, um, and that all came out of um, referral. This is a referral from somebody I worked for 11 years, in 2011. And so wow. um, they said, because I did this for her, and when they said, mm-hmm. this is what we need, she said, I know exactly who to call. And so mm-hmm. I was so, um, and my daughter is also the one who told me, you should do an email and say, I'm coming out of retirement. And I'm so glad I did. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's, uh, that's it in a nutshell. So I, um, yeah. that's how these things have been working. I'm, I'm turned on. I'm excited. I'm sharing my knowledge and information with um you know the people that I'm mentoring they're just brilliant they have brilliance in different areas and what I do is help them to take that brilliance and use it in the, I'm not teaching them how to be me I'm teaching them how to take what I have and use their own brilliance to produce yeah. the results for their clients and so yeah. that is a big turn on for me. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, I get up every morning excited to get, go to work. I, I know I'm not going to ever be finished because I've got so much. And then my daughter's giving me more to do. Yeah. So there's, you know, <laughs> just, uh, uh, she's helping me because I, I didn't do, I didn't do coaching from the standpoint, coaching and mentoring. If somebody needed help, you know, I tell them come sit in the workshop, and I tell them how I did what I did. Um, but mm-hmm. now, now I'm finding that people want to know, well, how did you get the contract in the first place? You know, what right. were the steps? 
took to get that contract. Right. Um, how yeah. did you, uh, you know, and so they want to know all those other pieces. Mm-hmm. And I am teaching them what I have learned from my experiences um, because I, this is not what I was doing. I used to sell airtime for a radio station. You know? Oh wow! I was okay. Always, wow. <laughs> I was always committed to equity inclusion, and so when my trainer, I, I hired these trainers to do work for me, and then every time they would quote somebody, I would go buy the book. And so I was reading all these books, and every time I read another book, I got more excited. I got more excited, and and they were like excited. I was excited, and so. Whatever, whenever I'd ask them about it. And then when I'd get, so I, I, I got jobs, and I said, would you like to do this job with me? Um, mm-hmm. And that's how I started. So mm. I'm having the time of my life. You know, I mean, it's just, this is so amazing. I mean, it's like you are a true testament to the, the fact that it's, you, it's never too late to launch a new business, start a new career, uh, take you know, do a pivot in your uh, in in your career and and launch a business, you know, whatever that is. And based on what you're, you know, what, what you've shared with me so far, it's been an amazing thing for you. And you you're basically using the knowledge that you've gained that over the 27 years that you've been in this industry. Uh, to uh, you know, to help others, and so this is a le- this is like your your legacy. And I'm glad that your daughter, you know, was the one that said, "Okay, look, you need to do this." There's people that want to hear about this, and the timing was perfect, uh, and it, you know, everything just you know lined up and was uh, just you know, it's just been an amazing transition for you. And you, I, I'm glad you came out of retirement, and I know other people are glad that you came out of retirement as well. So, and, and the other thing, you know, the other thing is, I had, you know, I already I figured I have a legacy. I started a nonprofit 25 years, 27 years ago, called Each One Save One, which is a mentoring organization for school children, and we recruited, screened, trained mentors to work with young people in the classroom. Um, because I think that they need to know who they are. Our kids need to know who they are. They need to understand that their lives are important. This is before Black Lives Matter. That they need to know that they matter, that they are important. You know, and I started this 25 years ago, matching caring adults with uh, children who, um, to help them to realize um, their fullest potential. And so what we did this past year was we put the money from that organization into a foundation to fund other um, mentoring, one-on-one mentoring, adult-to-child mentoring programs, and that was going to be my legacy. So it's like, okay, my legacy is solid. I'm, I'm okay. You know, I've done a lot. Yeah. Of, a lot. <laughs> and I had done a lot of free presentations for the Center for Displaced Homemakers, Covenant House, Odyssey House. If anybody needed a diversity presentation and they didn't have the money, I would go anywhere. Uh, I would go anywhere to help women to succeed. I would go anywhere to help organizations 
that were trying to do good in the world to succeed. And I did that, you know, whether that, whether they had money to pay me or not. Um, mm-hmm. And so, because I love this work. And if yeah. I really believe somebody wanted to make their workplace better, and, you know, for nonprofits, I have had nonprofits that paid me a lot of money, but for nonprofits, mm-hmm. I would go and do some of this work for them. And, um, and yeah. my team is the same way. We do volunteer work with organizations. Um, mm-hmm. And so, I, you know, I, I just enjoy what I do. I love my work. And, uh, yeah. and now I'm doing it again. So yeah. I'm excited yeah. about coming out of retirement. And um, and it's been more of it's been so much. It was like oh, I got to get off this couch. I don't can't watch the, the shows. I've got a lot more lined up that I want to watch. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's like oh, let me. I got to get to work. I've set up a studio. I mean, I got a green screen behind me. I never knew anything about yeah. green screens and all that. But the Diversity Trainers Academy, I've, I've had somebody to make me a, um, a virtual background, and now I've got several right. virtual backgrounds for the Trainers Academy, some for int- Intentional Ally. And, you know, I'm learning all this technology stuff and hiring people to do it. I'm, you know, most of it I hire people to do it because it's right. not where I and I tell my people that's not you know that's not your area of genius. You do mm-hmm. what you do and hire somebody who does the rest, who knows what oh, they're absolutely. doing. Because the time it takes me to learn all this stuff is just yeah. you know too much. But I'm, yeah. I'm in that world with them. <laughs> <laughs> I I mean I'm telling you I am just so amazed and energized and. I mean, just completely in awe of what God is doing through you and the lives that you're touching, you know, through your uh, organization and through your business and, uh, you know, the things that you're doing. And I was, I was actually looking at, because I'm, your, your, your bio is quite extensive. And so, and so I was looking at the fact that you said that, um, You've been in sales for 48 years, not counting your backdoor sweet shop where you earned <laughs> more money <laughs> on a weekend yeah. than, uh, tell me, talk about that. I mean, you, uh, you're just amazing. <laughs> well, thank you. I, well, when I was 12, when I was 12, we lived in the projects. And mm-hmm. my mother worked at a laundry, uh, uh, the Ideal Laundry and Cleaners. We called it the Raw Deal Laundry and Cleaners because her arms were always burned raw. And um, oh, wow. she had gone to work. My mother graduated from business school, but she never worked because my dad never allowed her to work. My dad said he could take care of his family, and he was trying to prove a point because they had eloped. And his and my mother's father had told her, her told him when he asked her to marry her that he didn't send his daughter to, to college to marry a tramp. So she wasn't working. Wow. And so wow. when he died, yeah. I was five, and my mother had six children to feed. And so she went to work every day at that laundry. And uh, one, you know, I, was, I, was, I wanted money. I ate a lot. I had a sugar monkey on my back. You know, I ate sweets all the time. <laughs> And I, you know, I wasn't, didn't have money to do that, to pay for that. 
So one week I came up, one weekend I came up with the idea that I would, we would do a play. And that play, um, we would sell tickets to the play. We would sell, but the tickets were, you know, 10 cents. And we would sell um, punch with fruit cocktail and sherbet. And we would, um, I made some Jiffy Mix muffins and bought some cookies from the store that, we, you know, we had a concession stand. That was where we were going to make the money. But living in the mm-hmm. project, nobody paid to come. They just stood on their porches and watched the show for free. Now, mm. we made can-can slips. We made uh, uh, tutus from can-can slips, if people remember that. That's the fabric that goes, you know, the gauze fabric we made. We had ballerinas. I remember. We had, an we had a wedding. Um, and so we had the show. We put on the show, and nobody paid. And now we mm. had all this uh, Kool-Aid with fruit cocktail and sherbet, all these cookies and all that stuff. And my mother had a deep freezer. And so we t- mm-hmm. I took some Dixie cups and I froze all that um, that the 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 Kool Aid the punch we called mm-hmm. it mm-hmm. and Dixie cups and we made what we called at that time Huckabucks mm. and the next day the next day and they put them in the freezer and the mm-hmm. next day um, was Sunday and the kids started knocking early because we sent my little sister out into the, um, and her friend, out into the projects to pass out the used school paper and said Huckabucks with fruit cocktail and sherbet. Nobody was selling it with fruit cocktail and sherbet. And Mm. that day we sold out. And it was summertime, Mm. so I was sitting on the porch that Sunday evening, and my mother had told me that day when the kids kept knocking, girl, you're going to, cat that's what they called me she said they're gonna you're gonna ruin my freezer keep open it up and open it up and so that evening I came in I told him I said mother I said I made forty dollars well my mother made a dollar an hour so her weekly mm-hmm. take was forty dollars she said did you really I said yeah and so I was on the porch and I had just figured this is all it was nice and it's all over and my mother came to the porch and she said, Cat? And I said, Yeah. She said, You better come in here and make them things. You know, those kids going to be knocking in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> and so neither of us said another word, but we both knew I was in business. And yeah. so I made more money selling them on the weekends and in the evenings than my mother made on her job. And then wow. that next time, I went to work with her, and I boxed shirts during the day, and I came home and opened my Huckabuck business. And Mm. um, I also added broken peppermint candy and praline. You know, I knew how to make Mm -hmm. uh, coconut pralines and and pecan pralines. And so I Mm. had a sweet job running out of the back door of the project, and we were the most popular Huckabucks in town because (laughs) I always had fruit cocktail and sherbet. Um, so wow. So that's uh, I I love that story because it reminds me it, like it, it's very similar to my first business. So what I used to do is I used to sell popcorn balls. Uh, and uh and I lived in the projects, you know. And so um 
what I would do, I would put a sign in the window before and after school. And so the kids would come before school, get their little snacks because it was like popcorn balls. And I did, um, I, I can't remember what we called them, but I think it was a little bit different from what you call them. But it was just basically, you know, the Kool-Aid and the, and the little ice tray and, or in the little uh, cups and things like that. Freezers, I can't remember what we called them. But anyway. Well, they called them um, everything in different areas of the city here. They yeah. All kinds of things. Yeah. Yeah. And so I sold those with the pop, popcorn balls, and then sometimes I would go to the store and, you know, get candies and things like that. And so, you know, that was my first entrepreneurial uh, endeavor, you know, in, in, as well. So I, I that's why I love that story. And when I saw it, you know, in your bio, I was like, oh, we need to talk about that. <laughs> yeah, I guess so I love it. Entrepreneurship is in my blood. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You just you couldn't help it. You couldn't help it. You couldn't help it. So, um, so what are some? Are there some new and exciting things that you wanted to share? You know, that's coming up and things like that. And share how can people reach you? All of this will be in the show notes. But just talk a little bit about you know maybe some new and exciting things that maybe you hadn't shared, or maybe if you wanted to share some tips. And which I actually, when I think about it, you've done it already. So go ahead. Well, I have um, I have some diversity business startup tips that I give out for free because I want people who understand this business to know that they don't have to work a job, you know, whatever the amount of money they're making on the job if they have you know, an idea of they can do better at what they've been experiencing with trainers coming into their workplace, I have all the, I have tips for them. It's a startup guide. And then the other thing I put together for the students in the academy um, that I, that I, I give away is um, I give away government business startup tips. And it's not, um, I have proven that they work because both uh, two students this last week have gotten uh, into the government database and they're now government contractors. And so that's the first step is getting into the government payment system, filling out Mm -hmm. all of your representations and certifications, getting your DONS Mm -hmm. number, getting your um, CAGE code, getting all the things you need to start to do business with the government because there's a lot of money, especially for DEI professionals. If you're a DEI professional, go start doing business with the government. For four years, almost five years now, there hadn't been diversity training because um, the last administration would not allow it. And so now, you know, there's going to be a demand for it. There's going to be a demand for it in corporations where their, you know, their message does not match the, uh, what people are experiencing in those organizations. Mm-hmm. And so you should be getting five to six, um, uh, five to, uh, um, six, six to seven-figure contracts rather than one-off. If your business, if you're doing one-off trainings and they're hiring you to come in for a day, how do you translate mm-hmm. that into a multi-session um, multi-year contract uh, with, mm-hmm. with the government and with corporations. 
and uh, you mm-hmm. deserve to be paid for your services. But a lot of times Absolutely. we are afraid to ask for what we're worth, and we're afraid because, mm. you know, I know that sometimes my training was, was cost more than what other people were charging, but people will pay for results. Um, That's they right. pay for the changes. And so what I want people to do, I, my goal is to get 100,000 new DEI trainers working because, you know, there's no, there's nothing, no such thing as race. We're all human beings. Exactly. That's oh, my God. It's the human yes. race. We're all yes. connected, but we can't get into our connectedness because we're paying too much attention to the differences. And oh, so um, I think I, I want people to be able to do work that makes a difference where all people are valued in the workplace where there's not any artificial barriers to people getting uh, promoted, to getting hired, to getting the recognition that they deserve, to being having the face time that they need um, in order to advance their careers. Um, what mm-hmm. if we were living in a world where, uh, you know, the color of your skin did not prevent you from being included in all of those things. And so I think that's my contribution to a world where we are all human having, um, you know, having opportunities and being able to use our talents, our skills, our abilities, our brilliance in whatever way that we can. And so that's my mission right now. Is um, And so if I can help people, if I have, you know, if there's a way for me to help people do that, and I think these two pieces that I have put together on how to get your diversity business started, it's the diversity business startup guide, and it's the government, I have a government business startup guide that walks you step okay. by step through how to get it, um, how to do business with the government. And so if they want to have that, it's free of charge. Um, you can okay. do it on your own. You don't need me to do it. Um, you can do that on your own. You can get started on your own. Um, there are people that you like, admire, that you know, that may be in the business. Pick their brains. Ask them how they did it. Um, there is so much work out there. We don't even have to think about competing with other people. Um, there's a lot of work out there for DEI professionals. And you uh, if you're a profet- DEI professional from whatever uh, point that you want to come at it from, then um, there's a place for you out there. There's a great need for what you do, and I want to encourage people to go out and do it. Um, I'm not the only avenue for it. There are a lot of – I haven't seen um, courses in how to start a diversity business how to sell your diversity services, how to, I know there are a couple of universities that have a certificate program, but, you know, it's not, it's not a comprehensive program in how to do it. So, but there are people out there who are doing it that you can pick their brains. You can ask them questions. How did you do this? How did you make that mm-hmm. work? Um, what yeah. can I do? This is my challenge that I'm facing. Go get yourself a mentor. Get somebody yeah. um, who can help you, guide you through it. Um, there are a lot of people who are successful. There are some bad actors 
who are in it for mm-hmm. the money and, you know, they don't really care about mm-hmm. producing the results. You don't want to talk to them, but you want to talk right. to the people that you know are out there doing the work in a way that matters. Get yourself right. some co- a coach, advisor, and, um, you know, and this is not a pitch for me. This is, you probably know somebody who's in this business. But if you, if you don't, you know, get my guide, go through it, and then, you know, find yourself somebody. So yeah, that's, yeah, absolutely. That's my advice. I want people yeah. to be doing this work. I want people to be doing work that connects people rather than divides yeah. people. Yeah, yeah, that is that is so important. And so on that note, what I'm going to do is I'm going to include um, – I can't remember. Did you have a website, or did you have an email address, or whatever um, you want me to put in the show notes? Not, the website for the Diversity Trainers Academy has not gone up yet. Um, okay. I'm going to have information at kathyharris.com. You know, on okay. the website kathyharris.com, and I do have the URL for it. I just haven't put it out there yet. But if they want okay. those guides, they can send. Um, they can send a an email and put uh, DEI startup guide in the subject line and send it to listening at kathyharris.com. I am listening. Perfect. Or they can <laughs> ask for the government uh, business startup guide that has everything you need to know to get yourself into the government database um, and send that to listening. Put put government startup guide in the subject line and give me a couple of days to get back to you. Um, but I will get that to you free of charge. And, um, yeah. So, yeah. Well, I tell you, Kathy, um, this has been one of the best, um, shows that I have had because you have come with such, passion and such a plethora of information and experience and and I just absolutely love your spirit and and how you want to um you know let people know how important this topic and this this is to you and it's important that people understand, you know, just like you said, you know, there's only one race. There's, you know, I totally agree with you on that. And, and uh, the things that you are doing to make a difference and an impact in this world is just, is just so significant. And so I have really, really enjoyed this. And I mean, Thank we could you know. go on, but <laughs> but well, you know, I know important. that <laughs> it's not just important to me; it's important to the yeah. planet. It's important Absolutely. to the world, and people yeah. are sitting on their brilliance and not using it when the world mm-hmm. needs you. We need you mm-hmm. out there doing this training. We need yeah. you out there making a difference in the world. We need people who understand what the situation is and to be able to communicate that to other people so that we start living as one race. Hi, this is Aldrema Harper, and thank you for listening to the podcast. I hope you got value for where you are in your entrepreneurial endeavor. And if you'd like to know more about how I can further serve you, simply go to CoachDrema.com. Again, that's CoachDrema.com. I look forward to hearing from you.
Have an amazing day.